0: Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood.
1: We're gonna be left to our own devices, our own defenses, our own skills.
0: Cindy feels that in order to keep her family safe from invaders, it is critical that they extend and protect their defensive perimeter.
1: By packing that small game with some explosives, you can easily disguise it to look like a regular animal sitting there in the woods.
0: The stewards are using their taxidermy skills to create camouflaged IEDs, improvised explosive devices to wound or kill enemy soldiers that come on their property. That's gonna <whistles> seven pounds, that's gonna, they're gonna wipe out ten people. Camouflaged to fit into their environment, IEDs are often filled with nails, broken glass, and ball bearings, and can have a kill radius of up to 250 feet.
1: So I'm thinking right here because we've got another entrance, another trail people can follow. It's looking very realistic, y'all, very realistic. Everybody's going to be trying to hunt small game. They're going to be hungry. It's going to make people curious, and they're going to come and look. The curiosity
2: is going to kill the cat. Let's cover.
3: Hi, everybody. This is the (laughs) What It Podcast. Holy shit.
2: Raccoon IEDs. I bet you didn't know you are getting into that today. We're in in for a ride today. Yes, sir. Hi, Spencer. What's happening, Ryan? Are are you back from your your
3: brush with the bubonic plague? I feel like, um, so last week, if you didn't listen to, well, I guess two weeks ago now, our part one of this episode... Uh, We talked about possible scenarios of how the earth might end, and I feel like maybe I made too many jokes about pandemics, and the universe (laughs) was like, how about you get sick for a little while? How about you start the next one, bro? (laughs) How about you get sick for a little while, just so you stop thinking being sick is very funny, Ryan. Well, I'm glad you're back from the dead. Thanks, man. I think I'm probably not the nicest to listen to right now, but I'm definitely- I mean, it's never that great. Well, that's true. I'm not- (laughs) I would have laughed, but you're just too correct. Mm. Um, but no, it's good to be back in the world of the living, man. How are you? I'm doing great, dude. Just been brushing up on, uh,
2: <laughs> you know, ways to kill that? people through taxidermy. What,
3: what y'all just heard? Yeah. That? Yeah. So um, uh, That's a real thing, huh? We were yeah, just so listening to a clip from... That's from the show Doomsday
2: Preppers uh-huh. on, Uh huh. on history or National Geographic. National, yeah, National Geographic. Yeah. Um, and there's this lady who lives in rural Georgia because because of, of course, course she does. Yeah. Shout out, hey shout
3: out to you Georgia. We still love you. Not that lady, but the rest of you seem fine.
1: <laughs> well, I
2: don't know. I kind of love that lady. <laughs> and they're uh she and her husband started a taxidermy business yeah. on their property and uh they a- as a way to I guess deter whatever imaginary enemy combatants they were referring to. Yeah, what? um they place animals stuffed with explosives around the perimeter of their property and then they have certain points from their property where they can shoot the animals to like snipe them and make them explode are, are they triggered by anything else like are they like... I don't think so oh, uh, okay. shockingly this is not really well thought out okay got it got I it. think you have to shoot the raccoon in order for it to explode cuz she was saying people are going to be hungry they're going to be hunting so she's thinking that they shoot it they're shoot. they going to be invaded and then whoever's invading them is going to get hungry and try and hunt a raccoon and then they're going to kill themselves I... it's really a, a foolproof plan if you ask I... me <laughs> I, I can see no flaws in her logic
3: i think maybe the most foolish part is is like if you have multiple of these on your property oh you're and there's a 250 foot blast radius by on them, far
2: the most likely outcome is that you're going to kill yourself
3: like Instantly, like maybe without even you're gonna set one off and like the other 14 on your property are all gonna get hit by the nails (laughs) glass and ball bearings or what
2: or your obese nine-year-old who you armed (laughs) with a Rifle is gonna shoot one of them thinking it's real and kill all of you
3: That's actually the maybe the most likely thing from 10 feet away is that kids gonna be like look mama got a raccoon (laughs) Just kidding me and the family dog and all of us are dead now.
2: Um so that's one way to prepare for the the oncoming apocalypse that's probably going to be brought around by people just like her. Yeah, boy, is it ever. Um If you I like that, that the first order of business for an invading army would be to take out rural taxidermy shops. Yeah, right. Like lady no one gives a fuck about you. They're
3: really coming for you, right? You're you're their first concern. Maybe she's like no, I'm going to be their last concern, which means I'm the last bastion of hope. I'm the all last of line of defense. <laughs> These stuffed raccoons are all we've got. I'm going to be the last human being alive <laughs> in the world. Um, if you weren't with us two weeks ago, we asked the question, what if the world ends? And mm. we decided that it inevitably will. Yes. Uh, in a variety of...
2: Fun and exciting ways.
3: <laughs> yeah, fun and exciting. Um, More existential <laughs> dread from some folks came in off of that oh, yeah? episode.
2: I didn't catch any of that. Sorry. Um, sorry, team. Sorry, squad. Everything's
3: fine. Everything is fine. There and, are morons uh, blowing up raccoons. The <laughs> world is fine. <laughs> this one is going to be... We did We did have some fun with the ways the world was going to end. Um, this one's going to be more fun, though. We're talking about how people are trying to prepare for... For the world ending, mm-hmm. and uh, ways that they may save themselves and others and humanity, and uh, or not most of the time, or not um, yeah. if you're, if your choice is to do some of the the wild stuff uh, that some of these folks on on shows like Doomsday rappers do. But I do think I will say this: I think that there's like there's <laughs> There's a line of like, it's better to need it and not have it, or it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. Sure. That- I think like some of these people are doing some version of, which I can get behind, but it's the people who are stuffing seven pounds of C4 and ball bearings into taxidermied raccoons on their property, thinking they're going to shoot them with a rifle and that's what's going to save them. That's like when it gets to this whole level of like, what the fuck are you talking about? And you cross the line into you're no longer
2: enjoying your time now. You're spending your free time skinning raccoons and stuffing them with explosives. Uh, Right.
3: One of the articles I actually read that I thought was super interesting about the whole like prepper phenomenon, if you will, is that um, basically there was a psychologist who said that uh, it can be akin to an addiction because at the end of the day, for a lot of these people... It's creating a sense of security, which, like, it does, right? I mean, if you have, like – if you have some extra water in your basement and you have, like, some extra food or whatever, like, that creates a sense of security. Yeah, if you live on the East Coast and another, you know, another hurricane hits, you know, New Jersey and you have some extra food and water, like, you're probably going to be super psyched that you have that. Yeah. But then it's the people who go, well, if that made me feel that little extra amount of secure, I could keep going Mm -hmm. and become – Super duper secure. And start training my <laughs> elementary school children in hand to hand combat. Yes, please tell me that's a real thing. Oh yeah, <laughs> and like that's when it gets taken to a level of like like almost literally a psychosis. Like a yeah, like it's
2: a, it's a weird combination of addiction slash
3: hoarder syndrome. Actually, that is what the the psychologist said. Is it it whatever part of the brain I'm trying to find it right now? But whatever part of the brain it plays on is the same one that is like filled by hoarding. But you also get the the cool added
2: bonus of feeling like you're part of a cult. Right? Mhm. Okay, can and I And re- that you're be- superior to other people that aren't prepping for the inevitable takeover by whoever. Yeah. Or, you know, the solar flare that's going to take out the power grid or the right. whatever and the whatever. Real quick stat to start the show. Yeah, yeah. According to a study done by Reuters, uh, 22% of Americans think that the world is going to end within their lifetime.
3: I would love to know how, how that stat has changed. Huh? Over time. Oh, gotcha. Like, like, I would love to know what that number was during World War One, and World War Two, and right. Vietnam and the Cold War. And like like, that would be really fascinating... Excuse me. That would be really fascinating to me to know is that high for where we are? It is sure that... seems like it. But but I also think that people like, just don't understand how things work apparently. But I would also say that there are other periods of time where, you know, I mean like they were they were being like kids in elementary schools during the cold war were doing nuclear fallout like hide under your desk exercises right and and guess what the world didn't end well no it didn't but i'm just saying i bet you that number was higher then than it was right now yeah maybe or or maybe close um just to just to go back to the whole psychosis thing really quick i found this quote um so it's peter barrens from penn state university says it's good to have something to store to It's good to have something stored away. Some 72 hours worth of food is great, but he said prepping can turn into a non-substance pathology similar to hoarding and excessive gambling when taken to the extreme. Quote, a lot of people get into this as a pastime, he said, but it's a slippery slope to becoming irrational and aggressive. Barron said prepping is cause for concern if a person starts hoarding firearms and ammunition and if more than 10% of a person's income becomes devoted to prepping. He warns that it can be similar to being in a cult if a person gives up long-standing relationships with friends and family members to associate only with other preppers. This is a situation that revolves around anxiety, he said, and it doesn't match with rational behavior. That's from an article in the Star Tribune. tribune called are you ready when disaster strikes these minnesota doomsday preppers are which actually coincidentally just came out in our local paper like two weeks i
2: think it's funny he or whatever not funny but i I think it's interesting that he said he called it a pastime because it really does seem like a lot of people who invest a lot of time in it are just bored Like they just don't have other stuff to do and that is like uh starts as sort of a hobby taken to this weird extreme where it's valued above other much more rational things.
3: And I, totally. And I also think when you talk about it from a pastime perspective, you're looking at people who like people who live through the great depression, you know, like, like people who are generations or two older than us. And I do it regularly. So I keep a stash of meat in my basement because I never know what's going to happen. You know, like mm-hmm. as a, I think as a cultural pastime for some people, like being prepared and in the wilderness is like a thing that they just sort of did as part and, of their daily lives. And
2: that part of it I'm all for. Like the right. stuff that you can actually enjoy doing. Like gardening. Yeah. Great. Right. That's good for everyone. Canning. You, you like do it. Yeah. Like doing it. It's better for the environment to grow your own food. You probably end up saving some money. Like that's right. that's just good for business. Totally. Or I don't know, you know, learning how to uh maintain and fix small engines or stuff in your house or electronics or, like, that's a useful skill that you could also probably enjoy learning and practicing. Right. But, like, people who are storing up ammunitions. And, like, years' worth of food. And, yeah, and it, it often, it seems like it often switches over into this weird, like, this is my excuse to own a bunch of crazy assault rifles territory. Mm, yeah. Like, the the blog I'm looking at right now the advertisements on the side are Win a gun, absolutely 100% free to enter and yeah. they're advertising a free AR15 giveaway. Great. Which I don't think is legal. <laughs> I'm not sure you can give away AR15s on the internet. Yeah,
3: I don't know about that. That seems a little
2: sheisty. But it's just like it it really quickly veers into like weird southerner states rights kill just like super racist, violent militia segregationist
3: type shit. For sure. There's these, it's like, it's such a strange spectrum, right? Of like people who take it super far and people who are like, just like trying to be like a little whatever and people that don't even think about it. And like, I think too, to your point about that blog is like, I think one of the biggest problems is it's like a self fulfilled prophecy from a lot of people who are just trying to make money on this. Like this same article that I was just reading from a minute ago. Um, you can literally go to Costco right now and spend $3,500 and get like whatever. a bunch of shit
2: you will never use. (laughs)
3: It's like a plastic bucket of MREs, like meal ready to eat is the the military term for it. And it's not Mm -hmm. technically military MREs, but it's basically like prepackaged, dried, canned food. Excuse me. Um, Prepackaged, dried, canned food that you can just sort of have in your basement in case it all goes down. Thirty five hundred dollars for a year for a family of four, and a lot of people are trying to just sell these off a of website. So they're just yeah. they're just going, the world's ending, the world's ending, the world's ending. Buy my guns, buy my food, buy, buy the products that I'm trying to sell you because you should be super afraid. I mean, fear is like one of the number one it's a great marketing way to get people and advertising. To buy shit they don't need. Yeah. yeah, exactly. One of the number one marketing and advertising tactics is yeah. like fear. So it's kind of wild. You have to
2: protect your family. Yeah. Or you're a little bitch. (laughs) Give me your money.
3: Buy my guns. (laughs) Buy these guns right now.
2: Um, Do you want to hear 105 ways that your life will change after the apocalypse?
3: Um, Not all 105 of them. Do you want to hear the highlights? Okay, yes, definitely. Okay. Otherwise, I feel like we would spend the rest of this entire episode on all 105. Number two.
2: (laughs) Consider getting a pair of sport goggles with your prescription today. Do it today. It's important. Just in case. Sport goggles can take a lot more abuse than traditional eyeglasses. Because if you need contacts or glasses after the apocalypse, you're fucked. Mm -hmm. Buy Rexpex. Buy Rexpex. Number 18. There will be no more musicians or, or, sorry, no more concerts or fancy musicians. Oh, are we fancy? Is that what we are now? Mega concerts and stadiums will be a thing of the past. To me, this is one hundred percent fine. <laughs> <laughs> no more B Romania or watching Miley Cyrus doing lewd acts on stage.
3: Wow! 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 Uh-huh. Wow! Wow! Miley
2: what? Cyrus's lewd acts will be gone after the apocalypse. Thank Christ.
3: Let's let's shout out who we're reading from real quick, so that. I- should we? I think we have to if we're reading direct quotes from their website. No, we don't. Fuck this guy.
2: This <laughs> is <laughs> some moron with a blog giving away AR-15s. What's I it called? I just what's no, a blog I'm called? not shouting out his stupid <laughs> website. This dude sucks. <laughs> I'm just gonna mock him without giving him any <laughs> any free traffic to his website. <laughs> All right, keep going. Uh number fifty-five. Children's sleepovers won't happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. After the apocalypse, which he keeps calling T.O. Towaki, Did you come across this at all? Okay. Keep going. Okay. And I'll tell you in a second. After the apocalypse, trust will no longer be extended past your immediate family. Trust may still reach to your extended family, but that's about it. That's what you just said, you dumb fuck. If food, water, and heat are scarce resources, the last thing you'll want to do is waste them on someone else's children. (laughs) Fuck those kids. They can die. I hated them anyway. Uh, (laughs) All right. One more. Number ninety six. This dude was really scraping the bottom of the barrel by the time Boy, he got to did number ninety six. Down there, wow. Uh, number ninety six is no more car washing or car washes.
3: Uh, I mean, I like bro. I barely get my car washed as it is. No car washing
2: <laughs> or car washes. Neither. As in, as I don't in, know. This dude can
3: barely read. You won't do it yourself, <laughs> and you won't pay someone to do Somehow it. Somehow, an you. illiterate
2: man has a website. Um, it's really quite adorable
3: so uh, this is something that i learned in my research which is which is that uh people who are preparing for the end of the world survivalists doomsday preppers have a uh have a significant number of acronyms mm-hmm. that they use to talk about stuff right yep. so like
2: uh when the shit hits the fan i came across uh, that one a lot
3: yeah so uh what uh, yes, uh, when the shit hits the fan is one um, like, w-
2: that one I really love because you're adding a lot of syllables by using the acronym. The one you just asked me about has how many syllables in it, or how many? Right. Well, okay, so you're you're, oh. you're using an acronym for something that is entirely one syllable. Yeah, words. it's
3: not. Sh- it's not. And shortening then adding anything. at least
2: one W. Right. It's not shortening anything. No, for you. You're making it probably twice as long.
3: Um, so we've got EDC, which is people's version of everyday carry. So that's okay. what people keep on, just on their person on a day-to-day basis. A lot yep. of people will have like a compass and a knife. And like, I, I learned about one guy heat. who had the, the 10 C's. The 10 C's? Is mm-hmm. this like a formula for being prepared?
2: Yeah, the 10 things that he always has with him. What are the C's? I don't know because most of them didn't start with C. He figured out a way to <sighs> call duct tape like something that started with a C and he C- called rope cording and oh, yeah, a, a, cutting, cord. a cutting tool instead of a knife. Wow, he really... Uh, I'm surprised he knew that knife didn't start with a C. <laughs> <laughs> he really
3: uh, he really melted, uh, yeah, he really melted some it. metal to really, make that really become what he wanted it to be, huh? Um, so we've got uh, EOTW, End of the World, EDC... Um, a E-O-T-W, longer than the words it stands for. W-R-O-L, without rule of law, describing a potentially lawless state of society. Also longer than the thing they're trying to work uh, Yo-Yo, you're on your own, is an interesting one. So the, the one that you just encountered is T-E-O-T-W-A-W-K-I, which stands for the end of the world as we know it. Oh, that's what that is. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Cool. Yeah,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Also also longer than the thing they're trying to abbreviate. Did you find anybody who was doing like reasonable preparation for a somewhat reasonable scenario? I mean I, think I
3: I really dug hard for that and found nothing. I did, for sure. Like there are just people who like they keep a backpack in their car and it's got like like a little first aid. St- like it's almost like a roadside assistance thing. Like a lot of people have a version that they just like keep in their car, and it, but it's like, it's like um, an extra pair of shoes, an extra pair of like, and a, a but that's, hat. That's
2: not prep for the end of the world. That's prep for like a flat tire,
3: okay, that's or a pro- snowstorm. That's probably true. Well, okay. Here's a question for you: If if you're prepping for the end of the world, and we've kind of roasted all of the scenarios of the end of the world in our mm. last episode,
2: I wouldn't say that. I, I think a lot of the scenarios we. Talked about are plausible.
3: That's true. I guess The the
2: problem is there's no way to
3: predict them. Right. Or most of them, at least. I guess that works. So I guess what I'm trying to say is, like, what would be a reasonable version of it? Like, I guess, I don't know. I don't know that I know anybody who has gone too far. I think I personally defend this because I think it's not a bad idea. Like, I, I am a person who sort of pragmatically lives by the version of, like, it's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I don't think that applies to, like, some of the links that people go to. But I do think, like, why not have, like, some extra food and water in your house in case, like, a tornado hits downtown Minneapolis and all of a sudden it's like, fuck, I can't go anywhere for at least three or four days. Yeah. You know? I don't know. No, that makes sense. And I guess,
2: but that's not, again, that's not an end-of-the-world scenario. That's a no, yeah. localized weather scenario. Yeah. Which happens all the time and should be prepared for. Yeah. The only one I could kind of think of that you could maybe prepare for would be like a a financial collapse of some sort people keeping gold and shit or yeah some sort of valuables that could be useful but aren't cash yeah or even having cash on hand would be in the
3: short term useful i've heard that i've heard some people say that you should keep as much as like a couple grand in your house at a time for like in case something were to happen, like like your shit about the like electrical pulse, if we shot out all the mm-hmm. electronics and you couldn't, you know, you couldn't hit an ATM or you couldn't like go to a bank and get your money because it was attached to like you know whatever. Right. Um. I I was I don't remember where I came across this, but I was
2: reading somewhere that uh, soldiers and especially pilots mm-hmm. used to. And maybe still do in their bag of like their emergency bag with like first aid kit and rations and whatever else would be in there. Sure, they would always put a few gold coins in oh, there, sure, so that no matter where they ended up, uh, they could at least barter for
3: basic supplies. Sure, or um, they could like gold is taken everywhere, so you could you could at least transpose your money into their money. Right, you could get some local currency or sure. trade or something. That's cool. That's interesting. But I don't know if
2: there's a modern and like every man version
3: of that. Yeah. I guess like for me, the, the, to, to answer your question, like I think because the end of the world is such an extreme event, preparing for it is sort of inherently kind of an extreme thing to do. Like if you're going to prep for the literal end of the world, you're not just doing like some, You know, if I needed to get away for a month or two or 72 hours or whatever, like if you were legitimately going, if the world, if there is an apocalyptic event, you know, if there was like a massive electrical grid outage or a massive food shortage or whatever, I'm personally prepared to survive that on my own. You're probably doing something like pretty extreme, right? I mean, you kind of have to. I would think there've got to be some very
2: wealthy people that are actually preparing For realistic scenarios in realistic sustainable ways. Like I have property somewhere and I have, uh, generators or I have solar power and I have a well and I have X, Y, Z and I have a helicopter that I can get there with or something like that has to exist.
3: Right. Yeah. So, um, there actually is this really amazing article in the New Yorker from, uh, January 30th of this year. Um, Spencer didn't know that I had this link on deck. I know that sounds like he just totally teed me up to do this, but it, he actually did it. It's called chemistry, bruh. <laughs> um, so this article is called doomsday prep for the super rich. And basically it covers, um, a lot of the Silicon Valley millionaires who are doing like essentially exactly what you're talking about there. Um, some of them are buying islands. Some of them are buying huge plots of land. Um, okay. An so, island seems like
2: it would be more risky than you might need to be, but well, I'll let
3: you explain. I guess it would be the ultimate, um, the ultimate get away from everything else. What do you do about water, though? Desalinator. Yeah, or I if guess
2: maybe you could like, I don't know how if.
3: Wells are an option on islands. I don't know my, uh, I don't know how that works. Well, I well You're surrounded by salt water. I'm no scientist. Oh mm. I was born. Mm, yeah. Um, so Steve Huffman who founded Reddit and is currently the CEO. It basically accounts that like, do they have money? Oh yeah. 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 They're, uh, they're valued at right around a billion now. Do they actually have money though?
1: Oh, um,
2: I guess,
3: sorry, whatever. This doesn't matter. Um, But yeah, basically he's like a totally a prepper and a survivalist. And he has a gassed up. This is the quote. um, Oh no, this is another guy who's in, in like one of this dude's Facebook groups about like keeping a gassed up helicopter, an underground bunker with an air filtration system. Okay. Um, Marvin Liao, a former Yahoo executive who's now a partner at 500 Startups, a venture capital firm, considering his... Sorry. Considering his preparations, decided that his caches of food and water were not enough. He said, what if someone comes and tries to take this to protect his wife and daughter? He said, I don't have guns, but I have a lot of other weaponry. I took classes in archery. Um, I'm really good at stuffing raccoons with explosives. (laughs) Yeah, right, exactly. And I have Um, a... Yeah, yeah, slingshot to launch dead, <laughs> dead raccoons at people—that'll do it. But yeah, this whole article is really interesting, and it is—it is about the very rich people and the very rich ways they're going about this, which is okay. I mean, I can't. So some
2: people are doing it right.
3: Some people are doing it like very aggressively and very. Uh, I guess right would, would be the term. I mean, More sustainably than yeah. I have some food tucked away and I, got, I bought myself a rifle. I bought myself a rifle. Um, in fact, there are some people that are doing prepping super right, and I think we should take a quick break, and I want to come back and I want to tell you a story. Is it the guy who's training his cats to hunt for him? It is not the oh, guy. Okay. It is... Uh, it is a, what was formerly a top-secret U.S. government project called Project Greek Island, Ooh. and I think it's pretty cool. Sweet. All right, we'll come back with that uh, in just a fast moment here on the What If Podcast.
0: We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's H-I, at whatifpodcast.com. Or leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614.
3: Welcome back. This is the What If Podcast. Uh, We're talking about what if the world ends.
1: Sometimes I always
3: fail. Uh, uh, Is that the world speaking? Yes. That's Earth. (laughs) That's Earth. (laughs) That's humanity as a whole. Um... Today we're talking about people preparing for the end of the world, mm-hmm. um, which well, I think, this could apply to I most of them fail. too. Well, that's true. Um, this one, the story i <laughs> seriously, the story I'm about to tell you though is actually less of a fail and more of a win, I would say, um, and uh we have to go back in history a little bit to talk about y two k y two k y two k uh not yet not yet we're going two k b two k uh we're going before y two k we're going back uh to the fifties to talk about project Greek Island. Ah. um in the early fifties to late fifties so we're talking about like basically middle of the cold war at this point y five zero y five zero sorry it's a is that really miserable. Oh, like, is that a Y two K joke? joke yeah. Okay, Y five zero. We can call it Y five zero. Hawaii five zero. <laughs> Continue. I'm um, just turn my microphone. Okay, off. <laughs> perfect. Great. Good. <laughs> um, so right around this time, uh, well, not right around this time. Exactly during this time, Eisenhower is president. Cold War is heating up.
2: This is before or after he met with the Greys and made a deal to exchange people for
3: abductions
2: for uh, technology.
3: If I knew what year that was. Uh, I'd be able to tell you but I don't know what year that was so I can't tell you hit the off switch again I I am glad you turned your mic back on though for that. You're welcome (laughs) um so, uh in Virginia outside of Washington DC, excuse me uh, West Virginia There is a resort. It is called the Greenbrier Resort and in 1957, the Greenbrier Resort in West Virginia announced that they were going to be building a new wing of their resort. This is like a big, nice resort, um, that a lot of the DC folk and Virginia folk would go out into the woods and stay at, had a big golf course, pools, bunch of nice shit, um, indoor recreation hall, exhibition hall. It was like this big, big thing still is actually, um, in 1959 they began digging what the local residents dubbed quote "the big hole." <laughs> Sounds fun. Um, and the way that they explained this to people was that they were digging a big hole to basically make their golf course bigger so they needed more dirt to make the mounds and the hills and and shape the land so okay. they were going to dig up a bunch of dirt from one location. Go move the dirt to the golf course, plant grass over it, et cetera, and like gotcha. add another nine holes to their eighteen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't worry, that's why we're digging Just a big hole. Just making some sand traps. Just making some Nothing sand to traps. See here. Nobody nobody worry about it. Um So people got a little suspicious when the FBI was vetting the people who were digging the big hole, but they figured who knows? Really creative name. I love uh, it. <laughs> the big hole. Well, mm-hmm. that's just what the local residents dubbed it. I guess it wasn't the official name. <laughs> um, <laughs> wasn't that? Wasn't that your nickname in high school? The big hole. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the black hole. I didn't eat a lot. I <laughs> oh. to work. Um, so they built a big fence, and they dug this big hole. They put fifty thousand tons of concrete back into the hole to fill it which people weren't fully sure where that was going or what they were doing it. was with going it. in the hole, obviously. Uh, uh, well, right, but exactly. There was a big hole. You can fit a lot of concrete in there. <laughs> Exactly. From what I've heard, it was pretty big. <laughs> uh, big, as they say. Um, and then on top of the area that they dug this, they built a new wing of the Greenbrier Resort. 153 rooms, okay. uh, et cetera. Now, what everybody didn't know is that undergrounds, The Eisenhower administration was building a 112,000 square foot underground nuclear fallout shelter. That's probably where they met with the Greys. Might have been. Mm -hmm. Um, That stayed in operational use, as in was ready to serve its purpose, all the way until 1996.
2: What something like thirty feet of concrete will keep you from getting radiated to death.
3: Yeah. So well, it, and it depends. It depends what it is. Um, it depends. Like I, I think, like when when you're that far underground, because they were like a hundred and twenty feet underground. Oh, sure. And then they say that the walls for this compound were three to five feet thick of concrete on all sides. They but had, yeah, if you're a
2: hundred feet underground, that probably does the trick too.
3: Right. I think the combination makes you extra super de duper safe. Um, and then they had like a five ton metal door that was big enough to drive trucks into, so you could go around this like back path and get into this one door and drive a truck through this giant thing. Um, there's yeah. some really crazy pictures which we'll either link to or we'll uh, send to, but um, or we'll uh, we'll put on online. But uh, whatifpodcast.com. That's the place. Um, That's the place. But basically, um, they were preparing for the ability for everyone in Congress to live for 30 years. Whoa. They had 30 years of food rations stored here. What keeps for 30 years? MREs, man. 30 years? Bro, look at this photo. This is really great radio right now. Those are this. Those are the rations lined up sure, in the hallways like, of this bunker. what food lasts 30 years? I mean, I don't know. You can freeze dry stuff and it lasts for like ever if it's preserved properly. Really? If you get all, I think so, yeah. If you get all the moisture out of stuff, canned stuff can last for like a super duper long time depending on what's in it. A lot of stuff is like mixed with water. Is the can itself going to start deteriorating after 30 years? Maybe. I don't know. That's a long time. I don't know, man. Something
2: be edible and still have some nutritional value.
3: Well, they might also had different uh, standards in the mid 50s of like what was going to (laughs) suffice or what would still have nutritional value. Were they pulling water from
2: a source somewhere or were they somehow bottling Um, 30 years worth of water? I'm not actually
3: sure.
2: I guess you could probably have a some sort of well or groundwater situation yeah. going
3: on. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't see anything about where their water source is coming from, but they built a dormitory. They built a small power plant inside of it. You'd have to. That, yeah, they built... Um, We're talking several hundred people, right? Th- uh, 1,100. Oh, okay. So, Did you say
2: that already and I wasn't listening? No, no, oh, okay.
3: but just all of Congress. So 100 senators, 435 congressmen. Oh, right. And then they said some 400 Everybody, to 500 staff people. Anybody get a plus one or your family yeah, just got right? a, I, I think not, actually, which is damn. the crazy part. Um, they actually, it was kind of weird. They said people started getting suspicious when, when they were building the resort extensions. They were adding a lot more uh, bathrooms, but they were only men's bathrooms. Jesus. And it was because right. most of Congress, well- to also this, to like, this day most of congress is still male but toilets a to toilet like what i guess yeah but i think it was more like in the resort itself cuz the idea was if a nuclear bomb happened the fallout would get better over time and they could potentially go up move back above ground move back above and come back down kind of thing um damn yeah man uh um, must have been
2: fucking weird living in the 50s and 60s and in having that 50s, I guess. Yeah. Oh,
3: I was so wrong. The West Tunnel blast door weighed 25 tons. Damn. Not five tons. 25 tons. Yeah, you were
2: within 500%. Yeah, I guess. It's 153 pretty, it's pretty total good for rooms. Our
3: purposes. 18 dormitories, a 12 bed hospital, a power plant, a TV studio so that they could film and send stuff out to the public. Uh, and then separate, separate meeting chambers for the House and the See? Senate.
2: See? Meeting chambers. One for the
3: House, one for the Senate, one for the aliens. Yep. So Shit. that was in, again, like it's kind of crazy to think about. What year did Bill Clinton come into office? Uh, 92, right? 92, right? He's so 92
2: f- to, no. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 92 to 2000. Mm-hmm. We went Clinton to W. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So Jesus, that's not that long ago. I feel stupid now. Yeah,
3: you no, know, it's okay. I was with you too. I had to think about it for a second. But for three years of Clinton's presidency, if some like apocalyptic event had happened, they mm-hmm. would have been like, we're going to West Virginia, motherfuckers, like right now. like It's crazy to me that in our lifetimes, that was a plan that existed in our country to keep Bill, our Congress alive. Bill wouldn't alive. Have gone.
2: It's all dudes. He's
3: not in there. That's true. That's true. Or maybe those quote unquote four to five hundred staffers was uh, hookers. <laughs> Hookers <laughs> slash plus ones slash whatever, yeah. how, whatever meets your it fancy. It would have been
2: the same for him.
3: Well, oh, but uh, <laughs> dun, 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 dun. um, but yeah, man. Project Greek Island. Actually, it was crazy. The Washington. It's a great code name. It is uh, the Washington Post, which this is so shitty to me. They wrote an article in 1996 that exposed the project. Basically, somebody had been doing investigative research on a lot of the like hey, why do you guys keep a staff of quote-unquote TV repair people online? And it's like, oh, we have lots of TVs in the room. These dudes were just like data analysts and intelligence people. Radar operators. Radar operators who like lived on the premises and were there for like running the, if something were to go down, were the ones who are opening and shutting doors and making Mm -hmm. sure everything goes smoothly. Um, So between that and the like, too many men's bathrooms and some of like the trips of people that were there, etc. cetera. WAPO did a, like an expose, I guess. And basically was yeah. like, Hey, this is a thing that exists. That's and, sort of their job. Isn't it? I mean, kind of, except that what happened was they immediately decommissioned it because uh-huh. it doesn't do you a ton of good. If everyone knows the place that Congress is going to be, if the world ends, try being a little sneakier, I guess. Um, if but the now, Washington post can figure it out. So can other people. True. Now the crazy part is, though, we can do a tour if we go out there. Word? You can walk it. Yeah, you can pay to go on a tour through it. And they have actually the people who were some of the data analysts and people who actually worked the resort who were also had FBI clearance are people who give the tours now. We should probably do that. That sounds cool as shit, right? Mm-hmm. You get to go 120 feet in an elevator underground and go check out where Congress would have lived if the whole world got blewed up. Blued up? <laughs> blued up? up, bro. Blewed up real good. <laughs> So that has to exist somewhere else now, right? That was literally my first thought when yeah, I saw obviously. that, that decommission thing. I was like, okay, so if they decommissioned the new one, one, they built a new one. Well, uh, I did a little bit of like, digging into They just went down this. another hundred feet at the <laughs> same place. Actually, not a bad idea.
2: <laughs> like, shit, we already got all this shit here anyway. No one will ever think to look in the same place. I'll just drop the food down another hundred feet and be like, now it's down there. They just put a fire pole in the basement. <laughs> <laughs> Keep
0: going, Dave. No, 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 you're in the wrong
3: one. <laughs> Got a bunch of dumb waiters going on. Yeah, right. Just pulling ropes and mm-hmm. shit. Well, so isn't there isn't there a NORAD facility in like Denver that's built into the mountains in Denver? Probably. There's a bunch of military shit in Colorado. This is not gonna be a good story because I remember reading this article, but I couldn't find it for this. But I'm pretty sure there's a NORAD like Go- presidential. Good googly moogly. Yeah. Googly moogly. Specifically like a, Denver? I think or like outside of Denver, center of Colorado. There's a bunch of crazy stuff about the Denver airport, which we could do, like, a whole fucking episode on if it's we to. Really it's a weird one. There, there are some good conspiracies around
2: that. There are some great ones. Uh, first result is NORAD Dance Bar. I don't think that's what we're looking for. Uh, sounds... Sounds like a good time, of, though. Sounds kind of weird. Um, Combat Operations Center and Cheyenne
3: Mountain Air Force Station.
2: Maybe that... Colorado
3: Springs. Okay, maybe that's it. I don't know. I just uh, remember hearing that there's, like, some buried presidential place and like it's partially because it's located almost directly in the dead center of the country and it's away from like major cities. I think this is probably what you're thinking of. So it's the Cheyenne mountain facility,
2: uh, opened in the late sixties and it's a huge military facility built into or inside of Cheyenne mountain in Colorado Springs. Okay. Um, Still in operation. There are fifteen buildings inside of the mountain.
3: Yeah. Okay. This is what As, I'm thinking like of. several
2: miles into the mountain. Yes. Um, they're all connected to each other. They have plumbing and sewage and all that stuff. Um, yeah. This seems like it's probably what you're looking for. That there is there are more of. giant blast doors that are like several meters thick.
3: Yeah. Idea uh, being like if the president and a group of other people needed to be gone for a long time, they could go live in a mountain. But this is public too public knowledge yeah i mean yeah
2: like the fact that people know about it is true they employ 350 people there are five lakes inside the mountain shut up one entirely filled with diesel fuel no so that if it had to be sealed off they could use the diesel fuel to power generators whoa the other ones are to store fresh water
3: damn what
2: are you reading this from this is uh the denver Channelcom I'll'll we'll put a link to it up it's actually a pretty good article cool uh, it's it was designed to handle or to withstand nuclear a nuclear blast but it's also ready to handle an EMP or yeah. electromagnetic pulse crazy that's crazy man.
3: yeah that's the other one that I knew of but I didn't know I would imagine though that like that's where they would maybe send the president and some top military people but like I don't know if there's a Congress backup, it can't be that because you'd have to fly a thousand people to Denver. Yeah. I don't know how that part of it would work, but I mean, the West Virginia part made sense. Cause it was like, they could shuttle those dudes there in 20 minutes. I'm sure they could figure something out. Shit. We built highways to get military
2: stuff across the country. That's true. Um, apparently the Cheyenne mountain complex was open to the public up until nine eleven. Oh, like you wow. could go take a tour of it. And now it is not. Interesting. And it is heavily guarded. And the closest you can get is a mile and a half away from it. Bummer.
3: Man, I wish we had, I wish we'd been, uh, what if podcasters when we were 13. Back in 98, 99. (laughs) When we were 12 Mm -hmm. and 13 years old. (laughs) That would have been
2: a real shitty podcast.
3: (laughs) Hey man, listen, Power Rangers. (laughs) And I just got Jay-Z's first (laughs) record. Um, but anyway, man, that's for what it's worth, for the most part, it seems like between Cheyenne and the Greenbrier or Project Creek Island, there are some people that are prepping uh, pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty Well, hard. and when you've
2: got billion-dollar budgets, like you could actually
3: – when you can build a lake
2: of diesel fuel <laughs> inside a mountain <laughs> – it's not shit that uh, Steve in Alabama can do.
3: Also, for what it's worth, that sounds like the biggest hazard in the history of hazards.
2: Sounds like a good way to blow up a mountain.
3: Yeah. Uh, we're going to seal off all the entrances, and then we've got about 600,000 gallons of diesel fuel. And in then
2: there. around the whole perimeter of the mountain, we've just got stuffed mountain lions. <laughs> Brian's going to shoot him as soon as he sees somebody walking up. It's going to set off got- a chain reaction amongst the... St- <laughs> The stuffed mountain lions, and we'll be safe. We'll create a moat. The one on the highest hill has a nuclear warhead in it, so Brian, only shoot the big (laughs) one if you really fucking mean it, bro. Inside the moat, we have stuffed
3: sharks (laughs) and lava. We piped a bunch of water or a bunch of fucking gunpowder in through their gills and sewed them up.
2: (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. man. Yeah, that's... uh that's the way to actually prep. Yeah, man. These dudes with like six guns and some macaroni and cheese are fucking amateurs. <laughs> Amateur hour, man. You, gotta, no, you, you don't dig- have a
3: diesel lake. You, if, if, if you haven't been digging what someone else has described as a big hole, you are not doing <laughs> it right yet. You just gave
2: your kid a handgun for some reason. Yeah. Um, we got time for like, yeah, one more story or so.
3: I got okay, I got I got two more that are short. Oh yikes. All right. Well let's let's fucking do it then. All right, let's go, baby. Is it
2: me or you? You go. Okay. I found an article from nineteen ninety nine about people prepping for Y two K and I forgot how big how big of a deal Y two K was.
3: Party like it's nineteen 19- hold up, it is. People really went
2: ham hey, on the Y two K prep. Oh yeah.
3: We were and, all sure it was going down.
2: So there's a... Uh, we'll link to this too, but it's from the New York Daily News, December 27th, 1999. Well, let's not give it too much credit then.
1: Well,
2: <laughs> it was better in the 90s,
0: but... Uh, uh, I'll,
2: I'll, I'll accept that. Just like the, the crazy spending sprees that people went on. Oh, yeah. And like stocking water and gasoline
3: i kind of vaguely remember there was a period of time around y2k where people were buying toilet paper because they thought it was going to be currency like sheets of toilet paper were going to turn into our money so people were like hoarding toilet paper not because they were like oh i'm gonna need to wipe my butt for a long time they're like (laughs) oh i'm gonna be rich hey i know my plan for the
2: apocalypse and it's just to be constantly shitting myself That's really all I got. Honestly, honestly, I'm gonna have a lot of anxiety. The water's probably not gonna be that clean. Nope. I'm Just be, a lot
3: of pooping. I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be eating like packaged food from 20 years ago. Right. Maybe it's not gonna get Eating 30-year-old
2: lean cuisines. Yeah. Shit's gonna get ugly.
3: My my system already is very delicate as it is. <laughs> like that is I'm gonna throw me all kinds of out of whack.
2: So my favorite quote from uh from this new york daily news article yeah it comes from jay wishner a manhattan internet consultant Ooh, <laughs> yeah because people Nineteen had titles like internet Nineteen consultant. Nine. quote i'm waiting for disaster end quote <laughs> <laughs> sorry i timed that right as you took <laughs> took a sip
3: of your beverage but uh yeah that's That's the quote from Jay. I almost just blew three ounces of surly beer all over all of this very expensive equipment.
2: Do I have cases of food, cases of rice, containers of water, canned ham, and vegetables? I'm going to live better with or without Y2K. Uh, Canned ham doesn't make your life better, Jay. How (laughs) shitty is your life right now?
3: He's he's like, ooh, I'm saving that canned ham for a special occasion. It uh, might be the world ending. It might not.
2: Michael Harrison, age 12, wandered up and down the aisles of Dwayne Reed on his skateboard. Shout as if you Dwayne weren't Reed. aware that this was an article from the 90s in yeah. New York.
3: Dwayne Reed on his skateboard. Mm-hmm. Well, My
2: Dwayne- mom keeps at least 17 blankets in the house. We have 20 flashlights, but none of them have batteries. But we've got a lot of leftover candles from Hanukkah. <laughs> Yep. What? hmm Mike and his family were uh, very prepared.
3: Excess blankets, excess flashlights, but, deficiency of batteries.
2: Dude, I remember, like, at the end of this article, they were serious about it. They gave the the last half of this article is a checklist of things that you should have oh, yeah. ready for Y2K. Oh, yeah. And, like, the our, our government was putting out, like... Make sure you have at least 72 hours worth of yep. food and water yep. and blah, blah, blah. So there, you want to hear their checklist?
3: Yeah, 100% okay. I do. Actually, I want to hear the checklist because when I leave here tonight, I'm going to go buy all the things on the checklist, <laughs> and then I'm going to be a prepper too.
2: Some of these are really 90s specific, and it's, it's great. Okay. Uh, first one, pretty obvious, food and water. They recommend at least a three-day supply of drinking water and uh, a gallon per person per day non-perishable food and a non-electric can opener because you're going to need to open your cans of food.
3: Right. Which could also just be like any blunt object, but...
2: Yeah, but, you know, yeah. got to conserve your energy when you're on a calorie restriction, you know? It's true. Health and Hygiene, they recommend that you have at least a week's supply of prescription drugs. Yep, makes sense. And a first aid kit. (laughs) Makes sense. uh, As well as an adequate supply of personal hygiene items and toilet paper. That's Eh? true. Yeah. Uh, cash, keep extra cash or traveler's checks. Wow, remember when that was a thing? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Just in case ATM or credit card transactions are disrupted. Wow. The federal FEMA recommended having as much cash on hand as you would for a holiday weekend. Okay. That's Too much cash could invite theft.
3: Dude, that's what so many of these preppers are, like, scared of. That's why they all. That's keep why guns. they all buy AR-15s. Yeah,
2: exactly. That and because they want excuses to buy AR-15s because they're crazy fucks. <laughs> uh, they recommend filling your car with gas. Uh, they tell you not to cook with charcoal inside your house. Uh, that's an hey,
3: interesting. That's a really interesting thing to. Lowest add to common the denominator, checklist.
2: man. You, you never know. Also, uh, while you're at it, adequate supply of blankets, hats, and gloves. Shout out to that dude's mom. She got 17. But no flashlights. Uh, Battery-operated radios, flashlights. It says, if you live in a multi-story building, plan your comings and goings and deliveries carefully, as many buildings will ground elevators. Oh, sure. Uh, It then says, have copies of important records and bank statements on hand. Wow. Wow. And expect, it says expect disruptions on January 1st from phone and internet. Wow. An internet log jam is also possible, so use it sparingly. (laughs) Most PCs made within the last four years and all Apple's Macintoshes are Y2K compliant. Yes. Apple's Macintoshes. If your PC is older or you are still concerned, check with the manufacturer about
3: bugs and fixes. Bro, how many how many Mac computers got sold just off of this right you mean Apple's Macintoshes Apple, how many Ma- Apple's Macintoshes
2: you can download a free y2k compliance test from nstl.com Whoa. which doesn't look like is in service anymore what would that even be NSTL uh, uh, inter- uh internet nope
3: <laughs> <laughs> Bro, the first, I I can't was, read the first letter was N, bro. Yeah, internet. Are you that 10 C's guy, like, at, trying to find at, letters in the middle? Internet. <laughs> Enter. <laughs> you know that's wrong. Don't you fucking lie to me.
2: National site testing...
3: L- log jam. <laughs> there you go. Log <laughs> testing jam. log jams. Careful about your .com. log jam. Um, man, yeah, Y two K was a big thing, dude. Even more recently, twenty twelve, man. A yep. lot of this same shit was going around.
2: Last, the last part: products that could be affected if they have products could be affected if they have embedded computer chips. So I read a there was some like web forum from. 99 yeah of alerting people to a scam of some guys who are going around and offering to test your appliances for oh y2k compliance God. and they'd like take the back off your refrigerator be like yeah you're compliant your refrigerator is good to go and they would give and, and then they give like, you like give 100, 100
3: bucks, 100 bucks? Yeah. bro respect the hustle man <laughs> right? respect the hustle <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, your microwave is Y two K compliant. That'll be fifty nine dollars. Oh
3: my god!
2: We had to make a few adjustments to the rotary girder, but you should be good to go, <laughs>
3: ma'am. You know what? You know it'd be even better is if they were just going in and telling everybody that all of their all of their appliances <laughs> were fucked and they had to buy new ones from them. Dude, oh,
2: that's that was
3: probably like a Montgomery Ward scam. What? I don't know who that is.
2: Yeah, exactly. It was uh, a nineties department store.
3: Oh damn! You, know, you don't remember Ward's? No, man. Dude. I, dude, I grew up in Minnesota. We had yeah, Dayton's, bro. Uh, so did I. I know, but I'm saying, we had we had Dayton's. Yeah, you, with your bougie ass going to Dayton's. Shout Montgomery to, Ward
2: was like the knockoff. Shout out to Dayton's.
3: Uh, we didn't always go to Dayton's. I'm, we also went to Fleet Farm. Sure, sure. <laughs> Fleet Farm, bro. <laughs> Fleet Farm. Yeah. Uh, bro, if we could anyway. get a Fleet Farm sponsorship for this podcast, that would be so Yo. sick. Anyway, Y2K
2: was a thing. Yeah, uh, man. And except then it wasn't. People were prepping. Yeah. And uh, um, people
3: just end up with a lot of extra Chef Boyardee in their house. That's real. That's real. Which, according to that guy, you're going to live better one way or the other because you're going to just be eating more Chef Boyardee. That's going to make your life better. <laughs> we got tighter. spaghetti
2: and blankets.
3: Um, So really quickly, I want to, before, before we, we got some more time. All right. I'm going to tell you a couple more quick stories. Hit me. Um, one, I know you know something about. And one I think a lot of people who are listening probably know something about because it's been in the news lately. And it is the Svalbard Global Seed Vault. Oh, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, so this is located, this, this vault is located in the remote Arctic Svalbard Ar- archipelago. Nice. Uh, which is 800 miles away from the North Pole. So up there. Way up there. Way, way, way up there. Up cheer. Um, on an island. I did not know that part. It is an island, yeah. I mean, because it's an on an archipelago, it's technically on an island. See, I didn't know that word. And an archipelago is a chain of islands, generally oh. in an arcing fashion away from a body of like land, like a dotted line peninsula. Well done, exactly Next. like that. Thanks. Yes, like Never. Alaska. See, right? you're good. You got it.
2: Isn't that what's at the bottom of Alaska? There. Yes, that yeah. is also an okay. archipelago. Yes. Cool. Now, now I'm with you.
3: Um, yeah, man. So I thought so, I thought you were talking about like a scale, but you play every other note. Uh, oh man, that is a cut that. Uh-huh. Only a handful are going to get. Hey, you got it. That was <laughs> just for you. <laughs> I I cringed and then acknowledged <laughs> and kept it moving. Um, it's in Spitsbergen. Okay. In a town called Bien. Pardon? bien? Like. A, a year that's long but also good? Long year bien. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to go with long good year. Yeah, right, I think cool. that's uh, that's kind of what I would say. I fuck with that town name. Yeah, man. Um, they broke ground on this vault in 2006 and opened it in 2008. Okay. And essentially, the uh, there's a bunch of groups that are involved in this, and I won't try to say them all, but it's like, It's managed by the Norwegian government. There's a group called the Crop Trust. There's another group called the Nordic Genetic Resource Center, NordGen. Steve Seed Supply. Steve (laughs) Seed Supply is probably involved. Um, There's a bunch of funding from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation that has gone into this. Um, Good on them. Yeah, right. And essentially what they're doing is allowing and opening – This vault to countries around the world to send samples of seeds to be stored in very, very specific conditions to preserve them should anything (laughs) happen on a national or international scale that would potentially ruin something either on like a global scale or in like a small local scale. Where we need to... Jumpstart uh, agriculture again? Or, or this, yeah. So, like, say, you know, for example, let's say there's a meteorite that uh, strikes. Wait, what is it? It's a meteor when it's in the sky and it's a meteorite I, when it lands?
2: Once it hits the ground, correct.
3: It's a meteorite. Yes. Okay, so a meteorite. Let's say a meteorite hits uh hits I don't know. Hits some sub-Saharan Africa and wipes out like basically all of the, you know, fifteen or sixteen or eighteen countries in its path. Mm -hmm. There are a bunch of African countries who have been like, these are all the native species of plants and agriculture, etc. And they have preserved their seeds in a very specific way that the Svalbard Global Seed Vault determines they must be sealed in, and they bring them up to this vault. Up by the North Pole to be stored in this very gigantic, uh, cataloged location for sort of insurance against these massive uh, incidents happening.
2: I was, I gave you kind of bad information about meteors. Is it the inverse? No, there's okay. actually a third option that I forgot about. Oh, oh, oh. So a meteor specifically refers to the flash of light that you see. Oh. As the object is going through our atmosphere.
3: Okay, okay. The debris
2: okay. or the object itself is called a meteoroid. Oh, wow. And once it hits the Earth, it's called a meteorite. Okay. Here and we go. Metroid is a great game for Nintendo.
3: <laughs> Boom. Um, this Fallbard Global Seed Vault, do you want to guess how many samples of seeds they have in there? So this is separate individual. Plants, vegetables, fruits, etc.
2: I could sound really smart, but I know the
3: answer. So oh, do you? I'll, right, I'll then, let you tell the people. Uh, so there are 400,000 different, which I'm going to sound stupid because I'm like, that sounds like way too many. It's
2: 400,000 unique varieties of seeds. Yeah. Yeah. And then the total is billions because they have... Several of all of those. Yeah, right.
3: Because each... More than several, I guess. Each one, they say for each varietal, so like, so for example, in this article I'm reading, Ireland submitted 32 different varieties of potato. For each variety of potato, they dried 500 seeds of that one variety. So just for those 32 potato varieties, just specifically from Ireland, that's what's 32 times 500. I'm so bad at math. 15,000. Uh,
2: 16,000. Yeah. 16,000.
3: Yeah. Um, right. So just it's, for that. Alone. So
2: it's f- 400,000 unique varieties and then some billions of total seeds. Something like that. Yeah. it's, it's That are stored huge. in this really fucking cold place.
3: It is literally below zero Fahrenheit. For our international friends, negative uh, 18 Celsius, and uh, for us U.S.-ish folk, uh, it's 0.4 degrees below zero Fahrenheit. Constantly? They they cool it to that all yeah, the time? Yeah, so it's constantly at that temperature, but they also buried this mofo 430 feet into the ground. Um, or no, excuse me. It's... It's 390 feet inside of the mountain, which is helping keep it cold because it's so much colder down there. But also the location itself is 430 feet above sea level. Okay. Which is part of the reason they chose this location so that like even if there's a melt that happens, it will hopefully still be raised above all of that. Yeah. I was watching something with uh, an interview with one
2: of the dudes who works there where he was saying like even for, for years without power they would maintain stasis well below freezing temperatures still so that the the seeds they're they're prepared for to preserve the seeds for approximately 30 years wow with or without power
3: so like it could just stop and be done yes
2: and then you still have 30 years to get there and figure out what you want to do with shit and wait for things to not be irradiated anymore or whatever
3: that's crazy
2: man Mm -hmm. but the reason that this has been in the news recently is kind of for a negative reason.
3: Yeah, I mean, there so it it, it got blown way out of proportion, I think.
2: Like essentially Nothing w- well, yeah, sorry, go ahead.
3: No, no, no. I I mean, I know we both read that same article, but essentially there are like five locking doors that it takes to get to the actual like when you could go to Iraq and pull a packet of seeds out. Mm-hmm. So like it takes a lot to get in there, which actually kind of worried me for a second. I was like, "Those seem like some really like important codes or keys or people oh, sure. to like be like." If we lose those people, we're like, "Well, we do have a shitload of seeds, but Just, uh, nobody, uh, put, a, put a key under the mat or something. Nobody can fucking get to them." Um, but yeah, there was um, so due to global warming, there's been some melt happening around the North Pole and in that region, and they've had some water melt and ice melt happening due to water it. melt. Water melt, ice melt, ice melting into water, steam, water, steam. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that's how that works. Um, They've had some water leakage coming into the vault, um, which only like affected the, I think, you know, the entrance to it and didn't get into the seeds themselves at all. It wasn't like, like I think some of the articles were like, like, yeah, that was a big story in the last week or two. No, it fucking didn't. Like it. Well, I mean. Technically, yes. Technically water got into it, but basically, what they're saying is they're gonna like they're gonna spray a waterproofing coat on like all of the insides of the vault, and they're gonna do some you know some digging up trenches to like let water go away if this ever happens. If water again. gets in there, the seeds will just start sprouting, and then we'll have more. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was like, if water gets in there, it won't go anywhere because it's literally below zero, so it'll just freeze instantly and never go anywhere. It'll just stop. Good point. At the cold part. But, yeah, man, uh, they're, they're trying to preserve our ability to, like, eat yeah. and grow shit. not go back to being hunter-gatherers? Not going back to being hunter-gatherers. If, uh, if some big, massive, crazy event were to go down, we were to somehow scorch a bunch of the earth or whatever, um, potentially uh, could get back to a place where we could grow stuff.
2: Agriculture has been sort of a little bit important to yeah. human beings for the last several thousand years. Totally.
3: And do you know what else has? No. Animals. Yes. Because we were hunters for a time, too. In fact, we're still hunters. In fact, so much of our food supply is also based in hunting. See. Which is why. Well, not hunting. Yeah. uh, Animals. Farming animals. Which is why there are groups. Show us what you got. Show me what you got. Who are doing a global seed vault version of preservation. (laughs) They build in an ark? The frozen ark, bro. (laughs) (laughs) The frozen ark.
2: Well, according to ancient alien theorists, that was just a DNA bank anyway. That's literally what this is. (laughs) Fuck. They were right. (laughs) That's literally what this is. Giorgio was
3: right. They So, uh, the San Diego Zoo, the Audubon Center for Research of Endangered Species, uh, etc., a bunch of zoos are so they're doing it in a little bit of a different angle. They're doing it for preservation of animals that may be going extinct. I was gonna say we don't usually eat zoo animals. No, not necessarily. I but guess we could. You know. But but they're broadening the scope of what they're uh, what they're sort of trying to preserve m- increasingly for similar reasons. So currently. The Frozen Zoo, which, man, if we haven't come up with enough good band names in the last like three or four episodes, because Frozen Zoo is a fucking amazing band name. Um, They're basically storing uh, sperm and eggs from a bunch of different animals in liquid nitrogen and have been doing so since 1976. They currently have over 8,400 samples from over 800 different species and subspecies that are kept cryogenically frozen with the hopes that um, for a couple different reasons some of the some of the things that they have kept have already gone extinct and they're keeping them with the hope clone that them. one day we could clone them into becoming species back to life again once our cloning technology Start gets better combining them well i want post apocalyptic giraffe penguins do you remember that article about mastodons where they were trying yeah. to, they were trying to clone a mastodon Fuck with like elephant d- dna dude that'd be so crazy so um, much food yeah man the university of georgia's regenerative bioscience center is helping build oh. the frozen zoo gathering material for a frozen zoo i'm reading from the uh, from the wiki about frozen zoo specifically is rendered simply by the abundance of sperm and males science of extracted cells from sumerian tigers it's Yo. like this crazy experiment where they're trying to keep as much genetic material DNA from animals as possible both for purposes of if we fucking asshole human beings go make animals go extinct maybe we could bring them back for genetic research maybe we could clone them back into existence or maybe potentially we could also be keeping certain types of animals around uh, for bringing them back into sort of our farming and agricultural purposes if we were to somehow inadvertently, uh, you know, lose one let's, of these species. Let's domesticate some polar bears. I mean, I guess. God, we'd need a couple more of them first, but... Well, shit, start cloning them. That's, I mean, I guess. Like, I'm not exactly sure how that works, but... We have y- the power. Yeah, man, the frozen ark, bro. That's uh,
2: that's crazy. I've never heard about that one.
3: Yeah, crazy stuff but everybody's trying to prepare i think it gives the most credence to the world actually ending that there are a lot of people who are putting a lot of money into projects like the seed vaults and the frozen zoo people just need stuff to do man i think that's what it comes down to i don't know i don't know i think i think i think there's some people are putting money into it because they're like well maybe maybe we should be careful
2: yeah right but also if you had other (laughs) shit to do that wouldn't be your priority
3: I guess, yeah. I mean, the Gates Foundation has done a lot of good. Yeah. So, you know.
2: I'll, who has more resources than, than them, Bill Gates? Though? Yeah. I <laughs> don't have shit to do. That dude never would have to do anything ever again if he didn't want to. He's like, he's like, you know it sounds tight?
3: Building a seed vault with yeah. f- hundreds of thousands of fucking...
2: Especially when the extent of what I have to do is just throw money at it.
3: And then people will be like, ah, oh, fuck yeah. We'll yeah. totally make that happen for you. Right.
2: Yeah, man. Because I have to pay my bills. <laughs> so, yes, sure. And, I'll pretend to clone polar bears, And I'll, Bill. Let, and
3: I'll let Bill pay my
2: bills for yeah. me. That
3: sounds great. Bill, if you want to pay our bills, shout out the What It Podcast. Yeah, we just
2: gave you some free pub and probably some false statements.
3: We would also probably give you the most interesting interview of your life if you ever wanted to come on here. So There's no way that's true, but we'd be happy to have you. <laughs> um. Yeah, man. I should do it, huh? I guess I guess that kinda ties it off. That's Here's your fucking
2: entertainment for the week. <laughs>
3: <laughs> See guys, it's not all lost. We have seed vaults and frozen arcs and guy stuffing. training his cats? Yeah, guy training his cats. Should we go out on that audio? Yeah, I think I got it ready. Okay. Uh, uh, we'll go out on some some prepper <laughs> audio that will, <laughs> if it doesn't make you laugh, you don't have a soul.
2: Yeah, if, if you want some great free entertainment and you're welcome for the free advertising, Nat Geo, don't sue me for playing your clips yeah, on our show. Yeah, yeah um doomsday preppers is a fucking ridiculous show very ridiculous and there are many seasons of it very ridiculous um also this shit's on youtube because who wants to pay for cable yeah for sure Fuck you, comcast
3: um a couple quick we will things. not sponsor your bitches <laughs> <laughs> um a couple quick things before we bounce out of here um we hope you guys have enjoyed the run of live shows we did. We certainly enjoyed doing them. Um, let us know via email what you think about those. Hi, what if podcast.com?
2: Unless you hate them and then, you know, just. Keep it to yourself. I mean, I still we're not going to probably do any more of them still anyway. So I want to read them.
3: Uh, we're probably not going to be doing uh, live episodes for a little bit. Um, so if you didn't like those, you'll be You're I guess happy to know that. Uh, but big thanks to everybody involved with those. We had a bunch of the homies out, and they were very fun uh, to do with those cats. Uh, we'll have them back in this room though, so don't worry. You'll keep yes. hearing all those voices. Uh, but yeah, probably no more live shows at least for a little while, unless you want to bring us to your town or whatever, and then we'll. Definitely and your town come and is cool. With you, <laughs> I've been you. trying to get to Montreal for a while, so. Yeah, it'd be cool. If anybody, I've still know, never been to Toronto. I know we got some Canadian listeners, so shout out to you guys.
2: We don't take up that much space. We'll what come up, hang out and talk about weird shit with you.
3: What up, Sweden? You know, we still want to come see you.
2: True, true. Um, and then also- They've gotten passed by Canada and the UK recently, though. Ooh. Slippin. okay. Slipping.
3: Slipping. I didn't know that. I hadn't seen mm-hmm. the new uh, mm-hmm. the new geographic demographics.
2: Canada has been repping super hard for the pod lately. Appreciate so. y'all very much.
3: Um, and then lastly, uh, at What If Pod on all of our social medias, if you want to holler at us, give us a show idea, make fun of us, tell us we got something wrong. Otherwise, you can do that via 612-246-4614. Or like I said, go to whatifpodcast.com. You can contact us there. Check out some episodes too. Bling blau bling blam blow uh we're gonna listen to this guy talk about trading his cats for the apocalypse before uh we get out of here and um as always we will see you guys next week on the what if podcast
0: have a good week y'all all right squad be safe jimmy also plans to live off the elk and deer that he can hunt on the surrounding mountains but hunting big game can take up to 12 days So he's training his two cats, Bubba and Kiki, to hunt food for him as well. Cats are natural predators. In the US alone, they hunt and kill billions of birds and small mammals each year.
1: After a long winter, it looks like we're gonna go into training mode here again and everybody's gonna get a tune-up, my cats and myself included, for hunting and surviving and everything else. Yeah, these cats are my companions. They're, They're good for me. I talk to them, they, they depend on me. I uh, take good care of them. So we're gonna go out and do some training today. How's that, huh? Want to do some training? Get him. Get him, Bubba. bring me back some food. God, you're not gonna do this. Look at him run, he's running. Might have to starve these cats. <laughs> oh my God. Baby. Cat training didn't go as good as I would have liked it to have gone. I will keep training the cat. I really truly believe that they would bring me food if I was laying there starving to death with a broken leg. I believe they would drop a rabbit right on my chest.